What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Post Game Locked On Bucks. And we got a win today. It was looking a little bit shaky there for a few minutes down the stretch. I was thinking we were going to have to decipher a, another disappointing loss. But fortunately, the Bucks pick up the win, and so they should have. Memphis, despite the fact they've been playing well, uh, they were a little bit shorthanded. You're at home. You've lost six out of eight. You've got to take care of business. So the Bucks did that 126 to 114. Giannis was pretty good. Chris was pretty good. There was a few other contributors along the way so let's get into it backs him down Giannis into the lane Giannis spinning fading shot up good for Giannis at the buzzer Bucks win Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can see and hear me on this show daily and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, whether it's on the audio platforms, whether it's on YouTube, your first watch of every single day. Uh, we appreciate it either way. I mentioned it the other day. We're blown by 2K subs. We're on the road to three. I don't want to set any goals yet, Frank, but... We'll, we'll get to three before the end of the the end of the end of Feb. We'll say end of Feb. We'll get to three K before the end of Feb. Uh, but hey, more importantly, Frank, the Bucks got to win. And we were just chatting just briefly before we started recording. And they kind of just needed to pick up a win. They win at one twenty six to one fourteen in a game where I thought with four minutes to go, okay, that's comfortable. The guys are looking fine here. Next thing, it's back to three points, and I was thinking they're gonna lose. I think they're going to lose this game of basketball. Fortunately, Giannis was the one who had a big dunk, had a nice turnaround as, as well, uh, among another couple of buckets there. He closed the door. He finished with 33 points. But just a kind of a relief to pick up a win at home against a team that I mentioned were kind of shorthanded, and you should be. Yeah, I think Bud in the postgame highlighted George Hill and, and you know, the, the idea of winning plays. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know, especially with Drew being out in this losing streak, like, you know, the fact that George Hill hasn't shot the ball well from three. He obviously does not put up scoring volume that, um, you know, you sometimes like to have, especially when Drew is out. So I, I've seen some occasion, you know, some some notes of frustration. Um, but, you know, again, the Bucks have been just really, really good when George Hill's been on the floor all year. And I want to start with him tonight because when that lead got down to three, um, the Bucks get a, get a stop. Uh, it looks like they're going to go the other way. I think it was Chris gets it, kind of gets trapped along the baseline or along the sideline, um, trying to get, you know, basically in, in, in the backcourt and it coughs the ball up. I mean, I, I forget which Grizzly it was. One of the Grizzlies, like, I, I mean, just came up with the ball. And then George Hill basically just came in and, and took it right back from him. And they go the other way and and get a basket. And that kind of started just a, a quick, a quick run. I think that was when it was 113, 111. And, I think that was when Giannis went on his personal, like, I don't know if, I, I know he scored eight straight points. Um, and, you know, again, or 114, I think it was 114, 111 at that point. Um, yeah. And I, I think actually George Hill drew a foul um, driving kind of down the court. I think that was when George um, got two free throws to put it back up to five. And then I think that was when Giannis then had those. It was kind those, of off the ball, wasn't it? It was, it was kind of an ill-advised yeah. foul. It, it was a bad foul. It, it was a bad foul. It broke the pressure, it felt like. 
yeah, exactly. Like he was not like he was out, you know, he's like 30 feet from the basket. I think when he got, he got yeah. fouled. Um, and you know, and you look at the box score and, and, you know, George Hill had a big box score night. I mean, I, I don't, I doubt you'll find a better kind of box score from him this, this season, five out of seven, 14 points, six rebounds, six assists, no turnovers game high plus 16. Um, he was really good. And and he started again tonight with drew thankfully back in the lineup, came off the bench, obviously kind of trying to bring him kind of ease him back in after the combination of COVID and then the ankle injury. So, um, so yeah, I think let's, let's first let's give a, give a shout out to George Hill. He's been steady, very unspectacular, I would say. And for that reason, probably maybe, I think maybe sometimes underappreciated, but certainly thrust into a bigger role than, you know, I think anyone would want from him here. Um, in this recent stretch with Drew out, but really nice contributions from him. And again, just small plays like that. There were a couple of plays where, you know, there were some, some contested rebounds that he came up with. Um, and, and again, that, that one play, I think if you want to highlight a single play that, you know, kind of stopped the bleeding for the bucks there, where it looked like, Oh my God, are they going to blow? You know, they, they, they were 23, and 0 entering fourth quarters with leads until Atlanta on Monday, <laughs> it looked almost like that, nine point lead going into the fourth quarter was in danger of being blown for a second straight loss. Um, and again, just little things, uh, little things on the margins. And, uh, and again, shout out to George Hill for, for going and, and getting the ball. And um, I forget, he, I, I'm trying to remember if he had a playoff, a, a jump ball at some point as well. Um, well, he should have won the jump ball, which was actually against Jared oh, yeah, yeah, Jr., yeah. which should have been against Conchar. So it was actually That's the second. That was the second time in the game when Conchar should have been jumping, and they let yes. Jaron Jackson jump it, which is just like, you know. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, shout out to George Hill. Big night from him, and um, you know, fortunately that set the stage for Giannis to kind of redeem maybe a little bit dramatic. But uh, but yeah, he had missed yeah. six straight shots um, at one point there, kind of stretching from the late third. Uh, into the fourth quarter, uh, he was nine out of 16 at one point. Then he misses six straight. He's nine out of 22. Was getting frustrated. Uh, not a good whistle for him tonight. A um, lot of physicality. Um, he missed a couple shots in there. You know that he normally can make. His jump shot was was not really there tonight. Until um, you know he has a couple couple attacking plays, uh, and then he hits that kind of. Well, let's call it a dagger, a dagger kind of step back, um, yeah. fade away against Jaron Jackson, um, which I don't know how Jaron Jackson was the one that fell down uh, on that shot, but yeah. I think that was the one that put the buck, I think the buck put, put the bucks up 11 at that point um, and kind of, kind of sealed the game. So, um, you know, again, uh, not Giannis's best night. And, you know, you look at the box score, third straight game where he's been under 50% from the field, 12 out of 25. But I mean, again, 33 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists, um, a block. He had that block. You know, he battled foul trouble all night. Just 31 minutes tonight. Um, actually, I shouldn't say all night, but but picked up his third foul in the third in the second quarter, and then picked up his his fourth foul very early. I think with eight minutes and change to go in the third, and and then had to sit for like five six minutes. But um, he had a really big block on Stephen Adams on what looked like an easy putback, playing with those four fouls. I think it was late in the third, and then um, again. Was he as aggressive defensively as maybe he normally is playing with those five fouls? No. Uh, you know, there were definitely some plays that he had to concede to Jaron Jackson and Ja when they were attacking the basket. Um, but again, you know, that's that's part of what, you know, kind of comes with the territory. His first two fouls were really stupid fouls and came kind of back to bite him when he started picking up other fouls thereafter. But, um, you know, overall, again, just kind of being that workhorse Giannis Knight from him and, um, certainly with, with Jaron Jackson and, and Steven Adams, like, I mean, those are a couple of very rugged, um, 
you know, long bodies inside that, that he had to compete against. And, um, you know, there were, there were not many gimmies for, for Giannis in there tonight and he really had to work for it. And again, that's why he's the MVP. I wouldn't say he was specifically, as you pointed to in foul trouble for the whole night, but the threat of foul trouble was always hovering over him because he picked up those fouls. And then you put yourself in the situation. If you do pick up early ones where you have that moving screen, which by the way, I've always said this, I understand that it's difficult for the officials in the moment, but I think there's some plays where you can say, okay, well, this guy got hit in the shoulder and he's nearly broken his own neck uh, by, by throwing his head back. I'm not going to call that foul. You know what I mean? Like some of it, some of it I think is common sense that I would like to see the officials use a little bit more. So I thought that was, that was yeah, just for the pure acting. Don't, you don't get rewarded for that. That would be, but that would be the way I would officiate a basketball game. But anyway, by the way, I was I was a little disappointed. Bud ends up challenging the sixth foul, which I mean, the Bucks what, yeah. were up like nine or what? what they, they, you know, you weren't really in danger of losing with 39 seconds yeah. left. Um, interestingly, like they kind of win the challenge because there was basket interference, so it wasn't a three point play. They end up only getting a point out of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was just trying to hope that maybe Bobby Portis had been the one that fouled him. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually was a little surprised. I think he got his third foul on a charge on Stephen Adams in the second quarter. And I never, I didn't see a replay of it. It seemed like a pretty marginal charge call, and I thought maybe that they were going to challenge that call back then, um, and and see if they could get it, um, because you know, again, then it it obviously just you know really puts pressure on him, and he's you know also the fulcrum of the defense, and when he has to play really carefully, he's obviously just can't be as aggressive defensively as you know he might otherwise be. Um, although you know, even in the fourth quarter, like we saw, it, I mean, it, it's funny. You know, just when Giannis is around, I, I'd be fascinated to know what, what Jaron Jackson's shooting was with Giannis in his vicinity versus everybody else because he just feasted when they had to, you know, they put Pat Connaughton in for Giannis in the third quarter and he just feasted on Pat. You know, Pat's given up seven inches um, and they did a great job just kind of playing it over top to him. Bucks went into zone at one point, they were able to beat it um, through the middle and he's got good touch. Um, but it just seemed like whenever he was attacking like Giannis, Shots were rimming out, and again, it's just you know, I mean, that's that's the impact of of Giannis. But uh, but yeah, I mean, again, I think that was the first time. I, did they say that's the first time he's fouled out all year? Is is that actually right? This um, season, I meant to check yeah. the the box scores because it feels like it, I can't remember when the last time he would have at all. He's had early season issues a number of years, but then he kind of tends to figure it out. Figures it out, yeah, yeah, but. Either way, you know, the, the sixth foul coming when it did, not not a huge deal. And it was interesting because uh, Taylor Jenkins actually used his challenge on a screen that Giannis set, which was called a foul on the Grizzlies. He challenged that. I think that was, was that early in the fourth or late in the third? He was looking to get Giannis's fifth foul on, on an illegal screen that wasn't called. And, you know, it was just a Hail Mary. Like it was clearly yeah. a, a foul on on the Grizzly who was sort of trying to plow through through the screen. But um but yeah, it was uh, again. It, it you know, it was not like a work of art for Giannis tonight. Um, but he obviously eventually gets gets the job done. And I think that kind of summed it up for the Bucks as well. Not a work of art. Um, the final line. I don't know if it was a flattering kind of final score. You know, winning by twelve. I mean, they they led by kind of that range for most of the game, really, from kind of the second quarter onward, um, with the exception of a few, you know, kind of runs by the Grizzlies. But again. You know, it only you only need one run in this league, um, 
and the Grizzlies, I thought, just did a really nice job battling. And, you know, they, they've played so well shorthanded all year. I mean, when Ja was out, what they went 10 and 2, I think when Ja was out, um, they're able to play at a really high level. They're really well coached. They're deep. And, you know, they were able to make runs even when Ja and, and Jaron Jackson weren't, weren't on the floor. So you kind of had to just be always on. And fortunately, third quarter, I think they got outscored by three in the third quarter, but again, avoided the kind of catastrophic third quarter that they've been tending to have lately. And then obviously down the stretch, they were able to kind of buckle down, lock in and, you know, maybe got some bounces to finally go their way and, and kind of take care of business. I wouldn't have bet on the box with a few minutes left to play uh, because <laughs> no. I would have, because I would have been not feeling, this week, not this week. I would have been feeling pretty nervous about it, but if you had of, you would have been happy and you could have done it at betonline.ag and betonline is wishing you a happy new betting year as they continue the march towards the playoffs big week for the packers frank but betonline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022 new year and there is a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code locked on whether you're betting on football basketball hockey boxing ufc whatever it may be betonline is the place to go. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. I should mention the Locked On Now podcast with our friend Peter Bukowski, Frank, and mostly because I was just on it. I just recorded on Peter. So if you're going to pick up uh, a day to listen to the Locked On Now podcast, do it after Locked On Bucks. Obviously, if you're listening to this, go on. You can hear me talk about the Bucks. But I was talking with Peter about the Packers. And, you know, Pete, uh, host of the Locked On Packers podcast as well, he's starting to get a little bit nervous. Frank, are, are you are you at that stage, at that point? Are you going to get nervous at any point? Yeah, I'm, I mean, the, the history of San Francisco is, is not great. Um, they, yeah. they did win kind of dramatically early in the year when the Niners, I think, I think they had a bunch of injuries at the time, and that was kind of before they hit their stride. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and, you know, going back to, I think it was it 2002, 2003 when Michael Vick and the Falcons beat them, like the Packers had like, I think never, you know, never lost or whatever at, at Lambeau field in the playoffs. And then, um, Michael Vick ran all over them and they've just had a number of games at home. They've had a bunch of home playoff losses. So I don't know. My, my, my confidence is, is a little tenuous and, uh, you know, just if you're a Packer fan, you know, kind of, been it's been been a while since they obviously won a super bowl i mean you know in the grand scheme of like the bucks or something like that like having to wait a decade to get another championship obviously would um you know that that feels like a short time right we had to wait 50 years for the bucks but uh but i don't know it just feels like things have generally kind of gone gone against them they lost obviously in the nfc championship game last year to tampa bay so i am taking nothing for granted there are definitely teams i would have felt better about um in the in in this game but uh, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm de- I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a Bucks fan, you know, first, second and third. Um, I, I enjoy watching every Packer game, but I, I don't take it as personally as I do the Bucks. So uh, so I'm sure I, I would imagine Peter and and, you know, the, the really hardcore <laughs> Packer fans are certainly feeling a little bit more anxiety because, you know, at the end of the day. Right. You know, well, the Bucks last year in the playoffs, you know, that 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 first game, like just always seemed to be got progressively the first game of series got progressively worse and worse as the playoffs went on. And uh, unfortunately in the NFL, you, you can't, uh, you don't have the luxury of, you know, a, a seven game series to, to tell which team is really the best. It's, you know, one game. And, and if you don't bring it, then, then you're done. So, um, so I'll, I'll, I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited too. I mean, it's a really fun Packer team. So anyway, 
I think I've, I think I've probably droned on enough about the Packers. Um, and can we, can we, is this the part where we can talk about Chris Middleton? Cause I feel like we, we really need to talk about Chris Middleton here who had another really nice game tonight. We can, but first I just want to say for our listeners that are Packers and Bucks fans, I'm on your side. Uh, for those weirdos who are just Packers fans and don't care about the Bucks, you can get stuffed because there's only one sporting team in Wisconsin and it's the, the world champion Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> All right, let's get to Chris Milton. Twenty-seven. By the way, let me let me say this. Let me say this too, right? It's, <laughs> oh, so now you want to go back? All right, let's do it then. <laughs> it's cool that the Packers that there are a lot of like random Packer fans, right? I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the, I haven't seen a poll on this recently, but I would guess that like among NFL teams, the Packers and the Cowboys probably have like the most random like fan bases that are not tied to like geography. Plenty in right? Australia, I can tell you. Yeah, and um, and I've met I've met some of those people just in my life. Like people are just like, oh, this guy guy I worked with from Massachusetts. He just became a Packer fan because it's just a super likable franchise. Um, but like I, on Twitter, I mean, I'm, I'm I follow a fair bit of Packer people, like like Peter Bukowski. Um, shout out to Andy Herman, another great Packer follower, Packer or Packer follow, Packer podcaster, Packer writer. Um, I know I know Andy sometimes listens to to Locked On Bucks as well. Um, I, I sometimes I like wait in and I like look at some of these people tweeting that like get retweeted in my timeline. And there's a lot of like Packer Twitter fans that are like Packers, Lakers, Dodgers, or like, they're like, they're like, you know, very like front runner type Well, maybe not the Lakers being front runners this year, but like very like, okay, like I don't respect your, 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 your favorite team choices. And then they, they're Packer fans too, which I guess we have to, I guess I have to sort of like them for that. So yeah, let's just say like Bucks fans, like, we're we're a hardier bunch uh, on the whole, right? There are a lot of Bucks fans, obviously, that are Packer fans. Probably a lot more Packer fans that you know are are just randomly Packer fans and and don't like the Bucks. So, um, to those of you who are the real Wisconsin sports fans who love the pa- the Packers and the Bucks, shout out to you guys. You know, none of these bandwagon bandwagon types. Although we love bandwagon Bucks fans, obviously. So, uh, anyway, we've talked way too much about the Packers. Chris Middleton, talk to me about Chris Middleton for tonight. Well, this was interesting because something I've been just thinking about when it comes to the Bucks, and I think it's exacerbated by the by the fact that Brooke Lopez isn't out on the floor, and certainly when Drew Holiday isn't there as well, and particularly as you pointed to when Giannis isn't out on the floor, I do think the Bucks are susceptible to struggle against athletic teams because I wouldn't describe the Bucks as the most athletic team going around in the NBA. Obviously, Giannis is a is a freak, but outside of that. And there was a stretch in this game, to me anyway, as I was watching, where I thought the Bucs were going to be in danger. And Marcus Johnson on repeat was saying, well, you got to be careful here, you got to be careful here. And part of the reason was Giannis spent a fair bit of time off the floor through the third quarter, and he was sort of hovering around that foul trouble. But there was just a really important stretch. I believe it was the start of the fourth quarter. It might have been late in the third, where Chris Milton hit a couple of buckets. We were talking about his footwork the other night. I know they brought it up in the broadcast, but that, that move where he gets to around the free throw line area, Shakes one way, goes the other. No one's getting near him. He, he did it at critical times during the postseason run. It's just so beautiful. The defender has literally no chance. They can't physically move their body quick enough to get back to him. And that's where I talk about Chris Middleton not being athletic, but he's so smooth, understands those movements. I just thought it was really important from Chris, that stretch where he had a couple of buckets in a row. He went for a three, uh, which was very quick in transition. And he was clearly feeling himself at that point, a pull-up three in transition that didn't go but again, this has been an extended stretch now for him. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. 
Uh, I I don't know, but he he missed a little bit of time, obviously. I'm going back a little while ago, and he's been one of the guys that we spoke about. Well, he he didn't really have a break from the playoffs through to the Olympics, through to the start of the season. Obviously, there was a, a little stretch there. But I don't know. He looks like maybe, in a weird way, he benefited from having a little bit of time off because he, he didn't start the season. He wasn't poor, but he wasn't having these types of performances. It was rare that he was putting up the sort of 25-point scoring numbers that have been pretty regular over the last couple of weeks. But I thought he was really important tonight to keep the scoring ticking over, particularly when Giannis was off the floor. Yeah, especially with Drew, obviously, coming off the bench. And Drew, you know, he he was he was rusty, right? Um, yeah. He, you know... Um, there were a couple moments where Drew, like, like he, he tried to like just blow through like two defenders for no real reason, like at midcourt and cough yeah. the ball up, and you know, just just he, he's he's kind of still getting back, which is one of the reasons why it, was, it kind of sucked that that you know he started missing time here lately because he's he playing so well. such a so well, right? Um, so you hope that that he kind of can quickly get get back into things, but yeah, I mean, Chris is obviously you know um, really settled in, and it was interesting. There was. Um, you know, looking at his numbers, he has actually the highest three-point rate of his career this year. So in terms of percentage of his shots that are from three-point range, he's at 41.9% of his shots are threes. Last year was 34%. Um, and interestingly, the, the really the closest comp to this is the first year of Bud, actually, um, when he took 41.3% of his threes or of his shots as threes. And interestingly, he was at 37.8% from three that year, which obviously is, you know, the second lowest number of his Bucks career. And he's now, um, he came into this game at 39% even. So it had been, it has been inching up, inching up, right? It was in like the low thirties for a while. And, you know, it's been progressively getting higher and higher tonight, one for six. Um, so it'll kind of take a little bit of a tick down, but, um, but yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, he has not been as just crazy lights out on, on the long twos. I mean, two years ago, he was 55% from 16 to the, to the three point, 16 feet to the three point line last year, 44% this year, only quote unquote, only 40%. And interesting in floater range, he's only shooting 30% this year. He's been like a 45 to 49% guy the last couple of years. Um, but he has been a lot better at the rim, you know, all the way up to 74% from 65% last year. So his kind of efficiency is like kind of up and down all over the place a little bit really hasn't been getting the rim career low in terms of getting to the rim rate this year. Um, but overall, like, you know, the efficiency has definitely been kind of ticking in, in definitely the right direction. And, you know, if you told me like a few weeks ago, like, Hey, like, you know, we're talking about all-star candidacy and all that, like, you know, where, where do Drew and, and Chris fit into that? I would have said, well, obviously, you know, Drew has been kind of the clear second best buck this year. Um, and Chris just hasn't been quite at that level yet. Right. Um, but, uh, Kudos to Chris. I mean, he's been playing really, really well of late. Um, and, you know, you just you, know, you just sort of take for granted, right? Like just kind of what he's able to do night in and night out. Tonight, to put up the big numbers and perhaps most importantly, one turnover, right? Turnovers have been um, an issue uh, of late. He's at a career high 3.8 turnovers per 36. He's never been above 2.8 previously. But, um, you know, you look at, at his numbers otherwise, um, you know, the assists career high in terms of assists per minute, six, six per 36. Um, the playmaking obviously has been really important with, with, uh, with Drew out. And we know late in games, crunch time, you know, bread and butter for them is putting the ball in Chris's hands with Giannis screening and letting Chris kind of be the quarterback and the decision maker. So, um, so yeah, I thought Chris just very in control tonight and, um, even one out of six, 
tonight's a bit different. Like we, he's really relied on that three point shot this year for his efficiency. It hasn't been as good um, on two point shots. He's, you know, put him per sec two years ago. He was around 55% on twos um, when he was basically 50, 40, 90 last year, 51% on twos this year, just 46%. But tonight nine out of 12 on two point shots, that was important. And as you said, he just got to the spots he wanted, you know, he was hunting John Morant, got a three, three point play on him early. Um, and the Grizzlies just didn't quite have enough size and physicality to sort of throw him off. So you're an assistant coach. Uh, you've got the deciding vote for the all-star reserves, uh, coach Madden right now today. Based on what we've seen, would you be giving your vote to Drew or Chris? Um, I would still give it to Drew, I think. Um, I think just his overall kind of play this year, I think just has been a bit better. You know, you look at like kind of the on-off numbers, I think those all favor um, Drew. You look at sort of like the advanced metrics, like kind of the all-in-one stats, um, all the like kind of adjusted plus-minus type type stats all, all show Drew as being a an elite, elite player. And Chris has actually been kind of underwhelming, um, at least relative to, to what he was, especially two years ago. So, um, so I think it's still drew, um, you know, I would obviously love it if they could find a way to get all three bucks on the all-star team. I think that's going to be really tough, especially if you're sitting at, you know, fourth or fifth place. Right? I think they haven't won. I I don't think they're getting more than one, to be honest. Yeah. I, I would be content if, if Drew gets it. And part of it too is just because Drew hasn't gotten into it exactly. in what, like a dozen years or something or not 10 years, I think, right? I think 2013, he was an all-star in Philly. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it'd be cool for Drew just because, you know, again, I think he's been a bit better um, defensively. I think he's just, you know, much better than regular season Chris in particular. Um, not that postseason Drew is not much better than postseason Chris because he's, he's just better period. But um, but I think Chris has definitely picked his spots, let's say defensively more this year. Drew does that a little bit too, but he's just, his baseline of defense is just so high, um, that, uh, that, you know, you don't worry about it. And by the way, I think as a sign of just how versatile and good Drew Holiday is, I thought it was really interesting. There were a few plays possessions in the fourth quarter where, um, they put Drew on, it was when George and Drew were both in the game and they had George on John Morant and they had Drew Holiday on Jaron Jackson um, and and basically saying, all right, if you want to go into that, you know, one, four, one, five pick and roll with, with triple J screening for Ja, well, guess what? Like if you want, if you want to switch, you're getting Drew, <laughs> Drew Holiday on the switch or, you know, Drew can, can pretty much do anything, right? He can, hedge and recover. You can do whatever he wants because he's super mobile and super smart. So, um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting wrinkle. The bucks, the bucks threw in there. Cause obviously, um, they had been having a lot of success exploiting smaller guys on, on, uh, with, with Jaron Jackson, but obviously drew not, not your typical smaller guy. All right. A couple of Giannis things here. First of all, the last time he fouled out in a game was actually game five against Brooklyn, a game that the bucks, a heartbreaker actually, Again, the Bucks would have liked to win in Brooklyn Game Five. So that, was that must have been like the last. That must have been like the last. Yeah, I can't. Twenty remember. seconds or something. That was like when they were like probably fouling late to to try to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, he had was... that play. Where, he had that play where he like remember Chris dropped it off for Giannis and he couldn't handle it. That could have like yeah. tied it or something like that. That was like in the last minute, I think. So so yeah, it was a very late late foul, probably a you know fouling for free throws type situation. And the other thing I want to bring up is I've got. A pretty serious bone to pick with Drew Holiday uh, for <laughs> for attempting that steal on John Morant as he was about to try and dunk on Giannis, 
and looking at the replay, Giannis, I'm not actually. And look, John Morant, by the way, has proven that he has got some shit going on in his shoes or whatever. He's not human. I don't know what's happening with how he can jump so high. But Giannis was like elbow at the rim. <laughs> and I wanted to see what happened. Yeah. Drew Holiday fouled him and took away the opportunity to either see an incredible block, but either way, just an absolutely absurd dunk attempt from John Morant, who is not scared about trying it with absolutely anyone. Yeah, and, and in lifetime, it, it looked almost like Giannis blocked it, yeah, but it was it kind of it kind of got knocked away, and Giannis kind of yeah. just went straight up, and then there was kind of they were both laughing because Drew ends up uh, or sorry, John ends up grabbing the rim, and, and Giannis ends up kind of holding him, um, <laughs> hugging him as uh, as as he's hanging up there. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice. I mean, it, it was interesting because because the Bucks and we saw this a couple of years ago, uh, maybe even one year ago. Um, the Bucks were were basically like daring John Morant to shoot threes um, in previous years when that was still an issue, and you know tonight he's he's been much better this year. He's been in a slump of late, but um, you know he he obviously ended up hitting some threes. He hit that one super long one, which I think was late in the shot clock. Yeah, um, but but even so, I mean they were, you know, if if there was a screen kind of high. Um, they were defaulting to going under. If it was like, ah, do I go over or under? They were going under, you know, basically saying, all right, we'll live with, you know, Ja kind of having to do a quick trigger three as we try to scramble under the screen and get back out. Um, you know, I, I think they generally they generally did okay walling him off from like getting to the rim. Um, but he is a really good, you know, he's got a really good floater. Um, he got to that spot a bunch and was really effective there. Um, and you know, I, but, but the last laugh came, the last laugh goes to Bobby Portis, who with the game, with the bucks up 12, and I don't know if there was under 10 seconds left jaw wheeling around baseline, trying to get another quick bucket there, uh, <laughs> at the very end. And, and Bobby blocks him as he's, he's, I mean, he was obviously not like at the rim or anything, like that, but, but he's kind of trying to go like do a little reverse and, and Bobby just comes over and blocks him, which, uh, you know, coaches might've just said, Hey, just concede don't go fouling or something. I didn't like that, even say this. That's I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, so I really enjoyed that Bobby Portis ends up getting a block on John Morant there at the very end, just to be like, Hey, Ja, yeah, we're, we're going to keep this a 12 point game here and, and leave it there. All right. You know what the best news of tonight was, and it uh, surprisingly didn't happen during the Bucks and Grizzlies game. It was elsewhere in the NBA. What? The Bulls won. Which means that the Bucks don't have to play the Bulls on a five-game losing streak. Which, by oh. the way, as we as we learned with the Atlanta game, we were fearful of it. Atlanta came back; they broke the streak. We don't need the Bulls breaking any streaks. So, you know, who who knows what's going to happen in this Chicago game in a couple of days' time? First time the Bucks have played the Bulls all season, which continues to be weird. But whatever, they're going to get uh, acquainted here over the next few weeks. Uh, but the Bulls won; they beat the Cavs. That's great. It's great. I, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say I mean I've been I've been in full like root against the Bulls mode here because of you know well, how well they've been playing, um, but yeah I didn't think of the the jinx factor and I mean the Bulls Zach Levine has been out with this knee injury since last week. I'm guessing we probably don't see him on Friday. Lonzo Ball's out with a knee injury. I think they've gotten Alex Caruso back. Um, Derek Jones Jr. who is like kind of the only he he was starting at the four. He's kind of the only like obvious guy to defend Giannis um, that they kind of had in their rotation. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see kind of defensively just how they match up. Because I mean, it, I think as everybody knows, like, I mean, DeMar DeRozan has played a ton of 
power forward for them um, this mm. year. And, and obviously, I don't think they're going to march uh, DeMar DeRozan out there to, to try to shut <laughs> to try to shut down Giannis. Um, but uh, but we'll see. And hey, at least at least they beat the Cavs tonight, right? Since exactly. the Cavs, um, you know, are, are actually closer to the Bucks in the standings, and I think that bumped the Cavs back below um, the the Bucks in the standings. So I think I think what the Bucks the Bucks were at sixth like midway through this game. And then uh, they are now back up to uh, to fourth, I believe, right? Correct. They're fourth. They're two games back of the Bulls, who are back at the top of the East. Uh, Philadelphia and Cleveland are two and a half games back. So yeah, they would have been they would have been fifth. Cavs lost. Whatever. It's it's all bunched up there at the top anyway. And one other note from around the league: uh, Mo Bamba had thirty two points tonight for the Orlando Magic, Ooh. which f- further solidifies the fact that they have uh, uh, Robin Lopez is is surplus to needs. In Orlando, he already was. Hand him over. Hand him over. Come, come on, Johnny. Come on, Johnny Hammond. Here, by the way, here, here's the um, the 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 Bulls starting five tonight. Um, Demar Derozan, obviously, Nick Vucevic, as you'd expect, Kobe White, um, who has returned from injury somewhat recently, um, Iodasunmu. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, we talked about him like during like the kind of draft prep. He was a guy that. Um, yeah. you know, a lot of us were kind of like, oh, interesting guy, um, leading up to the draft. He's been an, a, you know, a rotation guy for them. He was, had mm-hmm. 18 points on eight shots. He has not shot the ball well this year. I don't think, but, um, 18 points and eight assists tonight. So he was very good. Um, but Alfonso McKinney played five minutes as the starting power forward. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a very small team right now. Um, they did bring Tony Bradley off the bench, but Troy Brown jr. Played 26 minutes, Alex Caruso. Um, is back in the lineup, which which is big for for them. He's you know obviously been been a great addition. Um, and uh, Wisconsin, for, I guess was well not I was gonna say former Wisconsinite, but you know you never once you're Wisconsinite always always Wisconsinite. Matt Thomas played 24 minutes tonight um, for the Bulls as well. So they they are definitely dealing with some injuries. We'll see what the injury report for them is looking like on Friday. But you know again, I mean, let's assume at least Ball is out. That probably Levine as well uh, playing at home. Brooke Lopez is knock on wood going to be the only guy that you'd expect to be on the injury report for the Bucks on Friday. Really, again, you kind of you got to take care of business here. Um, and you know, with with this win tonight, Friday against the Bulls, and then you've got the Kings coming on Saturday. You know, again, I'm I'm I don't do not want to be too presumptuous with the way the Bull, the Bucks have been playing lately, but um, you know, kind of a, a nice little opportunity to to opportunistically chalk up some wins against a Bulls team that obviously is not at full strength and then a Kings team that obviously um, is not that good playing on the road. And uh, Oh, by the way, you know, is uh, beset by trade rumors about them potentially moving various guys and Ben Simmons trades and things like that. Yep. That's 7 PM Friday night, that game against the Bulls. Uh, in the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert, Lee Sterling. I don't know if you covered with all the betting action. I don't know. The Bucks will be favorites in this game. They're probably better in the health department, knock on wood, as we record this right now. We'll see what happens. Better be. the- they better yeah. be. I mean, hey, I mean, yeah, they, they better be favorites. I mean, a home game against the Bulls. Come on. Like, I know, I know, I know what the standings say, but, um, and by the way, I thought it was interesting. I mean, we're, we're always trying to figure out this, like, where is the rotation going to land? Obviously in the playoffs. Um, we saw before the the last time they were healthy, I think, was when Boogie was still around, and we saw them run out ten guys, um, including Boogie and basically the nine guys we saw tonight. So they're down to basically a nine man rotation. Um, you know, essentially, you know, Jordan Wara, Rodney Hood, Shemi Ojale, 
Sandro, Thanasis, those guys are all healthy scratches right now. The four guys that came off the bench, Drew Holiday, obviously will swap in for George Hill on Friday. Um, but basically your bench right now, George Hill, Wes Matthews, Pat Connaughton, and Dante. That is a very small bench. Pat Connaughton at 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, is your backup small forward. And, um, you know, again, a lot of nights that that's fine. You know, you can kind of get away with it. Um, but it, it is a bit... It is a bit different, obviously, from kind of what we're used to seeing from the Bucks when Brooke Lopez has been healthy in previous years. And um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. And by the way, it's never going to happen. But Dante DiVincenzo tonight, 0 for 5, 0 for 3 uh, from 3, um, was a plus 5, had two blocks, had a steal, two assists, five rebounds. So, I mean, his activity level is still there. He's just so snake bit right now offensively. Like... I, I don't expect that they're going to send him down to the herd for like, just like a tune up game. But like, I, I feel like he, he could really benefit if there's like a, a couple days off for the bucks where he can just sneak up to Matt to uh, Oshkosh and just play a game with the herd and just make a couple layups in a competitive game of basketball and see the ball go through the basket a little bit. Like I feel like that could really help him because right now, man, it is just rough. I think he's like one for 16 on two point shots this season. Like, the offense is just a real struggle right now. He's obviously trying to get his rhythm back. Um, I feel bad for him because obviously he's coming back from the injury and, you know, just nothing's going right for him. But um, I don't know. That is that is my brainstorm. Just let let Dante go to the herd and cook for a game uh, to see if he can get his mojo back a little bit. But um, at a minimum, this is why it's at least good that he does other stuff. He makes winning plays other than, than putting the ball in the hole because right now that part isn't happening. Yeah, there's a reason he gets minutes and some of the other players don't, and it's because of that, because Bud probably feels that he can ride through some of the shooting struggles. And also, I'm sure that they're sitting there internally thinking, come on, let's let's turn a corner here in one of these games. Hey, why not make it Friday night against the Bulls? Uh, Camille's going to be on the podcast tomorrow, so I'll be chatting with Camille tomorrow. Then the Bucks will have this game against the Bulls, but we'll talk about it a little bit more on tomorrow's show. Uh, if you missed yesterday, we spoke lots of Giannis with Zora Stevenson. She's always insightful fantastic to have on the pod so if you missed that one jump in and listen to that as well but other than that we'll leave it there for frank and myself we'll catch you guys tomorrow